Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with the prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today I have a special guest with me. I have on John Henry Weston. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, Father. Great to be with you. Are you are you currently in Canada? Yes, I am. You are okay. I was wondering. Uh, so I wanted to bring you on because you're about to celebrate a uh, momentous event in the life of LifeSite News. Your your Silver Jubilee. Amen. Yes. Praise God. It's it's an incredible journey. <laughs> Hard to believe that it's been 25 years. But uh, sure right, enough, 25 we years. Having 19 launched in 1997. Um, yeah, we're at we're at 25 years now. Unbelievable. I was thinking about you know in 1997 I wasn't even a practicing Catholic. <laughs> I had been away from the church for 22 years and I didn't come back till you 98. You were still on I was Wall Street, thinking, I would think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this all started because you felt there was a bias against pro-life people, correct? Yeah, so what happened was, um, at the time, Steve Jelsevac, the co-founder of LifeSite and myself, we were working for the Canadian pro-life group called Campaign Life Coalition. Also in 1997, we launched, uh, Campaign Life Coalition, that is, launched the March for Life in Canada, a sort of copy from uh, what you guys were doing down in the United States. And uh, the coverage was so pathetic. It was a a huge crowd for Canada, um, and yet there was almost no coverage at all. And the coverage that we did get was so biased as to make it ridiculous. And so, you know, this is the thing. So this 1997, and there really isn't that much on the internet. Uh, you know, I had been doing news for Campaign Life for a couple of years, just an email uh, sort of service. And then uh, when we built the website, it was really for Campaign Life to be their website. But uh, when the news sort of took over, it, it, uh, they needed their own. But, you know, what was really interesting was we needed to be able to tell the story from our perspective, from the truth. So it's not only just uh, provide the coverage because the mainstream media ignores it, but it's also provide the coverage, honestly, because the mainstream media distorts it so badly that uh, we had to be able to show we were sick of the mainstream media coming in and photographing, you know, one corner of the pro-life demonstration. So it looks like there's five people and then <laughs> filming the protesters, the pro-abortion protesters, every one of them so that you can see, oh, my gosh, there's 20 of them. How oh, wow. And there were only five demonstrators who were pro-life there, which was ridiculous because there was actually, you know, even in that first march, there was 2,500 people. Um, and now they usually have about you know, 25,000, depending on the year and whatnot. But um, it's, it's just, the distortion was such that we needed to have our own voice. And uh, it, it really grew from there. It did, indeed. Uh, it's interesting because even today, the march still doesn't get the coverage by mainstream media that anything else would. 
Um, it's no, still kind of ignored. And, and now, yeah. though, as things have switched with uh, Roe being gone, um, the, the, the attack is fierce. I had on last week Kathleen Wilson. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a, she started a Mary shelter down in uh, oh, Virginia, yes, yes, of course. which she's an advocate for, for women who want to have their baby, and she will put them up for three years. And can you imagine that there's people that want to shut her down because she's helping pregnant women? And so it really does shed a little light on the fact that this was never a pro-choice. This was a pro-abortion. Yeah. No, exactly. It's just – it's unbelievable that abortion has become for the secular society a sacrament. Um and the lengths to which they will go to protect it, to demand it, to it—they're it, unspeakable because it goes right up till birth. And for the most part, right now, the—they're not even concealing any longer that this is killing a child. A lot of people right now are just happy to say that and go forward with it anyway. Society has come um, has gone down this road for so long. Uh, that it's there, and the the frantic reaction that we saw to the overturning of Roe, which was really a bad in in the Dobbs decision, the the overturning of Roe was just it was bad law. From any honest pro-abortion lawyer, he'd also say yes, mm-hmm. actually it was bad law, but, but it didn't matter. The 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 justices themselves were willing to um, uphold this nonsense. Uh, you know, for the mi- the minority of them, but um, it's unbelievable. So anyway, but the battle is still waging, as you can see. And you know, this thing with the raid on Trump's home yesterday, a lot of people do wonder, and, and rightfully so, if it's not because of his actions vis-a-vis the Supreme Court that uh, gave us that decision, uh, because there's a lot of animosity. For that specifically, we saw the protests outside of the homes of justices, uh, you know, the threats, the death threats. Um, it, it's really um, a demonic thing. And, um, you know, we, we just need to stay strong, especially in our faith, but also in our conviction on life and uh, allow that uh, virtue of courage to be with us right now as we're Really, America is facing kind of a meltdown in, in what's happening, and uh, we need to stay strong. And we need to pray because that's where our true strength comes from. It, it, very true, and it, I think we're at a tipping point where uh, the next few months are going to be critical in deciding which way the country is going to go because, uh, you know, the curse over the country sort of was broken when Roe was, was revoked, but now it goes to the states, and some of the legislation is not just talking about prenatal. Now it's this word perinatal, which can be interpreted as, you know, even up to a week or a month after the baby. So it's really become, uh, I, it's hard to believe our country could even consider some of the legislation they're putting out there. And yet it is. Okay. So 25 years, it's been a wealth and breadth of information what would you consider some of the highlights over these 25 years? Because you've, you've expanded into all things, uh, not mm-hmm. just life, but also uh, morality, Catholic issues, Christianity, all of it. Yeah, no, it's for us right from the right from the outset. Actually, we 
Campaign Life Coalition itself would deal with so many different issues, particularly the international issues, because if you recall, it was during the 90s that Pope John Paul II asked um, pro-lifers to engage in the battle with the United Nations uh, because he saw the push for population control coming from the United Nations, and he urged pro-life groups around the world to get involved in that sphere. And that's where you had, you know, great right-to-life organizations uh, engage at the level of the United Nations. And Campaign Life Coalition from Canada was one of those groups, one of the main groups doing that. Um, and uh, so our perspective at LifeSite has always been from that international perspective. We could see what was happening on an international scale, the kind of collusion that was happening around not only abortion around contraception, around homosexuality, around um, the, the radical environmentalism that really had nothing to do with the environment. Um, you know, and all of these groups would always work together. It's stunning that, you know, people were always weirded out. Why is it that it's the same rent a crowd that happens to show up for the abortion uh, pushing protests as well as the LGBT things? What, what's going on? Why the overlap? Um, and, you know, the, it's kind of funny. It's in the pro-life movement. It's somewhat similar, uh, even though there's a there's a broader coalition among the pro-lifers than there is perhaps than those who, who fight the family. But uh, you find you're wearing different hats um, in, you know, different <laughs> different protests. You know, you're there to demonstrate for life and you're there, there to demonstrate for the family. Well, it's the same on the other side, except the international collusion is much greater and it's much more well funded. Um, and so, you know, we were engaging in those battles from the outset. But one of the very first things that uh, took us in the direction of reporting on the church, I mean, in the, in the pro-life movement, you get to know that the, the Catholic Church, particularly at the international level, um, was the only institution left standing. When John Paul II was directing this sort of fight at the UN against population control, it really was the church, the Catholic Church, which, of course, has a status at the United Nations, was sometimes the only one still standing for the rights of the unborn, the only one still standing for the rights of the family. And so it was a very uh, strong bulwark and support for the pro-life movement. It was unbelievable to have, you know, and, and back in the day, back in the 80s and the 90s, you had uh, various bishops who were all that supportive of the pro-life movement. But you always had John Paul the Great, who was, always had your back. I, I remember in the beginning of LifeSite, we had so many reports from John Paul because we tried to, whenever he would say something pro-life, we tried to uh, have a story about it. But it was like, wow, we can't have so many stories about John Paul II all day, every day. <laughs> so, you know, you'd have multiple meetings a day where, where he'd come out with this. So that was a, it was a delight and a joy. Um, I had the awesome privilege of, of uh, meeting Pope John Paul II, and um, not not myself personally in audience. I mean, I, I shook his hand, but I wasn't. You know, it was just a had a very brief conversation with him, of lasting like three seconds. But it was beautiful. It was wonderful. He was so um, inspirational, and particularly the pro life movement. He has um, he was um, fierce in his pro life convictions. And when um, he would encourage you on life, uh, if you ever talk to uh, Father Pavone or any of the ones who interacted with John Paul at a more intimate level, he was 
fierce in his encouragement. He would grab you by the arm and he would, you know, <laughs> good for what you're doing. And it would be very, it would be fierce in, in, in a way that mm-hmm. was, um, was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but our interaction with the church really happened at a point where we noticed that something was awry. And both Steve Jelcevic and myself were, were reverts to the faith. We left the faith. We were both born Catholic, into the Catholic faith, but we both left. Experienced life on the other side. I, I kid you not, Steve Jelcevic was a member of zero population growth. He was a flower child, you know, did the whole backpacking across uh, uh, Asia with his wife, never intended on having children, now have eight children, and I don't know how many grandchildren at this point. But, uh, you know, I, too, was, uh, you know, living a hedonistic lifestyle, and I, too, am blessed with eight children. So we're sort of radical reverts. The joy of the faith was such a blessing to us. The knowledge of the other side was there though and we understood what it is what a trap it is what a horror it really is even though it might look nice and wonderful from the outside and so fidelity to the church to its beliefs specifically around uh sexual morality is so important so urgent so needed that when we saw betrayals from the clergy from the hierarchy sometimes we thought oh my gosh we need to really confront that immediately and confronted of course in in love but also love and truth um and that's been sort of a guiding principle for life site caritas and veritate love and truth uh but Mm -hmm. uh, you know the very first time we saw that um i would cover the march of women sounded like a great thing of course but of course it was pro-abortion it was pro-lesbian it was all sorts of leftist nonsense to it and that had been going on for years and in 2000 they decided to do uh, a sort of global march for women so they were going to make a big deal of it and every year i would go there and see who their donors were on their donor page and then point out to you know pro-lifers that look these are the institutions these are the companies funding the pro-abortion march of women and uh, lo and behold in the year 2000 i went there same thing i always did and i found one of the sponsors was the canadian conference of catholic bishops and i thought well that's impossible so I called up the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops to ask them what was going on. And I, there was a priest on the phone who answered, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, no, we don't support them in, in their abortion sites, but they're powerful women, of course, and, and it's just a nominal donation anyway. So I asked him, oh, okay, how, how much was the donation? And Father responded, oh, it's minimal, I was sort of stumbling over his words. And he finally said, well, sorry, this is like $10,000. And I was stunned because back in the day, $10,000 was a lot of money. And so I called up the head of the March for Life, who was uh, at the time, Jim Hughes, the president of Campion Life Coalition. And um, we'd just been running our March for Life for only three years. And so I asked him, so how much do the Canadian conference of catholic bishops you know support the march what do they donate you know every year toward the march jim fell off his chair laughing there was no donation from the Canadian conference of catholic bishops for the march for life in fact it was worse than that because they couldn't get a single sitting canadian bishop to celebrate a mass for the march for life because we had from the very outset of 
uh, life site. We send all our reporters down to the March for Life in the U.S. Because it's so encouraging. Hundreds of thousands of people. And so we go down there for a boost, also report on it. Um, we're there with a whole team, and it's just awesome. We do it every year. And, you know, the mass, the, the vigil mass at the Basilica, it's always awesome. It's, what, 35 bishops, five cardinals, hundreds of priests. Mm-hmm. The procession takes the length of a normal mass. I mean, it's unreal. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. The, the Basilica is packed to the gills. There's 10,000 people in there. It's supposed to hold five, I think. And it's just the most wonderful celebration of life that you can possibly get. Anyway, um, there in Canada, though, running now, March for Life for three years, still couldn't get a single sitting Canadian bishop to celebrate a Mass for March for Life. They did have one bishop. That one bishop, believe it or not, was a <laughs> sort of a revert himself. He, he had been quite the liberal bishop. And then um, after he retired... He got cancer. He went, I believe, to Medjugorje and was healed of his cancer, came back, and then started celebrating a Mass for the March for Life. Just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful bishop. So <laughs> here we were, March for Life being funded, excuse me, March of Women being funded by the Canadian bishop, and then March for Life not being. So we wrote a story on this. Now, that was the first time um, in life sites history anyway, that we got international attention. Because what happened was when we published our story, the Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto publicly distanced himself from the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops funding for the March of Women. And uh, we eventually got an interview with him. And what happened then was very interesting. The mainstream media started into this story with some interest. And we kept getting calls from other bishops supporting. So in the end, we had five bishops, including the Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto, uh, come out publicly against the funding of the pro-abortion March of Women. However, and this is why the media was so interested, you also had other bishops, in fact, by the end of it, six bishops, come out publicly in support of what the conference was doing in funding the pro-abortion march. So obviously this made quite the splash in the media, bishop against bishop and so on. Um, and so very interesting what happened in the end. In the end, believe it or not, there was a mass celebrated for the March of Women by all six of those bishops who publicly supported the funding of it. In the same year, when not a single sitting a uh, Canadian bishop would celebrate a mass for the March for Life. But I tell you, that fidelity of those five bishops, including the Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto, resulted over the next decade in a massive participation in the March for Life of bishops. Uh, thanks to a lot of key bishops who worked hard to support the March for Life in Canada, we now usually have about 25 bishops who celebrate masses for the March for Life across the country. Um, we have participation usually of three or four because Canada is so huge. Um, you know, who, who bishops who come out to March for Life with the nuncio come. So there's been a sea change in, in those terms. But um, that was our first sort of um, eye-opening uh, um, thing. So our involvement in church issues started very early on in life sites history, and it's continued. Um, it's continued. We were involved with the with the Vatican. Um, under 
popes uh, under Pope Benedict um, in some very neat ways. We were called on by the Vatican to come and commemorate Evangelium Vitae on its anniversary and um, had the occasion then to uh, meet actually Pope Francis in, in 2013 uh, when no, not many people knew much about him, nor nor did we, um, and uh, went and did this ceremony to um, commemorate uh, the pro-life document, and uh, met uh, met Pope Francis as well. So a lot of a lot of highlights over the years, but uh, our involvement in, in church issues has, has definitely be, been a high point for us as well. Well, I mean it's so important, and I think we can see this even more clearly over the last three years, that uh, a true republic that's run by the people, it, it must be imperative that it has a free press, because the free press is there to always seek the truth and to bring it to the forefront. And when you start censoring people on one side or on one party versus another, it, it creates, it ruins the republic. I mean, uh, so many people have been banned since covid uh, I'm sure you were from various Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I mean, anybody was saying anything true was just about shut down. And and that's a danger. It's a huge danger. And it's it keeps encroaching in on our freedom. And and when the truth can't be heard is when people uh, get in big trouble. Even even people can die if they don't know what's really going on. Uh, you know, and I, I won't go into the whole vaccine thing, but that wasn't a vaccine. Because it does, it didn't do what a vaccine does. So they had to change the mm-hmm. definition. That's not true. That you're 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 meddling. Uh, and I think, you know, something that's very interesting. I just this past week uh, was watching TV and saw that movie Spotlight was on. And I said, you know, I've never seen that. Let me see what. Let me see how they portrayed this whole thing. Uh, when you look at the numbers of what actually was discovered through that investigation of Boston Archdiocese. And I was living in Boston when that happened. I remember it. And I remember it seemed like a smear campaign. And I think there was a bit of that going on. But when you look at the actual facts of what was discovered and how it was truly hidden and and there was no intent to change, uh, that was a great service to the public and the church to bring that into the light, even though it was painful. Yeah. Yeah. And, And thank God we have press that are willing to do that. Yeah, and it is it's a it's a difficult thing. It's it's particularly difficult when the faith means so much to you in and of itself. So unlike secular reporters who, you know, are just reporting um perhaps at a distance or or worse with an agenda to do harm, there's a there's a particular um challenge um, it's a heartache for sure. When you love the church, when you, it means everything to you. You don't want to harm, you want to help, but you know that you need to bring the truth out for the good of the church, for the good of the faithful. And it's, it's neat to be a father in all of this because you learn so much from being a father and trying to do what the, the best you can for your own kids, even when it's tough, even when you know it's going to hurt, but that hurt is needed to correct or needed to uh, bring the truth out, needed to protect your other children, their siblings, you know, and Mm -hmm. 
it's only with prayer, with discernment, with uh, spiritual direction that we can function. And the, the waters that you have to navigate to confront these things, to deal with them, they're very, uh, very, very challenging. And that's we encourage all of our staff to keep up with their prayers because I, I kid you not, we, we tell them all, this is a spiritual battle on the inside of LifeSite because you're under attack not only from you know, there's all sorts of people who will call us a hater and bigot on the life issue, uh, anti-woman on the on the, abor- on the abortion issue, and, and a hater and a bigot on the LGBT issues. Um, but then there's people who actually say, oh, you're anti-Catholic because you dare to report on, on sexual abuse scandals and or scandals. And, and you know what? Those are all things that need to be, whether this the last thing we'd, any of us would want to do would be to harm the church in, in any which way. Or, or it's our greatest love. And so, yeah, it, there's a lot of a lot of challenges. But cancel culture, it is true, as as you said, Father. It's um, it's been around for a long time, but what we're seeing now is is unbelievable. And one of the saddest things to see is the United States engaging in this, the land of the free. For so much of the world, as a non-American, I have to tell you the reputation that America has was still one of the last great hopes for the world in terms of freedom. Canada has already been sort of quasi-communist for a long time. Uh, But America, um, you know, had that hope. Not only America in in, in the state, you also had that in the church as well. The Mm -hmm. church in America was regarded by most of the faithful European bishops as one of the last great hopes for orthodoxy in the church in the West. Yes, they look to Latin America. Yes, they look to Africa, of course. But those are sort of foreign entities. The, the church in Europe, at least a lot of faithful bishops, looked upon America as uh, you know, one of the great hopes in the world. And I have been told by several cardinals, this was years ago now, but if America, the church in America ever fell, like, and meaning fell as in, as did the churches in Europe, um, you know, we'd, the world would be in real trouble. And there's quite a bit of that going on, you know, so challenging times, but, um, but, uh, you know, our Lord is sustaining and he's still in charge. And there's nothing to worry about per se. Yeah, they're challenging times, but we're also created to live in these times. And therefore, our Lord's going to provide us the grace that we need to to carry through. He He won't, as the scriptures tell us, give us a cross that's too hard for us to bear. Exactly. The triumph is coming. It's just uh, painful to go through the, the muck to get there. Well, I want to thank you again <laughs> for being on, and congratulations on 25 years. And uh, that'll be August 17th down in Naples, Florida, for those who... I don't even know if there's tickets left, but if you wanted to join the event, there are be, still a uh, few Naples. left. Uh, and if you want to hear Jim Caviezel, please uh, go ahead and, and get a ticket. We're God willing, all going to be there and it'll be an awesome time. Fantastic. God bless you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you down there. May almighty God bless, God bless you in the you, name Father. of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. This is father Dan signing out.